Daniel chapter 7. Verse number 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. Skipping down to verse number seven. After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. And it had great iron teeth, and it devoured and broke in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn before whom <clears throat> there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man and a mouth speaking great things. Verse number 15. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body. and The visions of my head troubled me came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts which are four are four kings which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Skipping down to verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time in times and the dividing of times. I want to talk to us on a very serious note here this morning about survival in the end time. Survival in the end time. I know we praise the Lord a bunch and how refreshing it is, but let's put our Bibles down and let's pray together that we would absorb something into our spirits. By the authority of the name of Jesus, your glory and your free spirit, O oh God, liberating the innermost part of all of us to receive the word of God that is a strength under my bones. I pray, O oh God, that it weaponize your people Strengthen us. Give us illumination and instruction. We won't fail to give you the praise and the glory and the honor. And everybody said amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Make no mistake about it. This pandemic, in my theological opinion, and there, there may be some that would disagree with this, not just for the sake of being argumentative, but just to say, wait a minute. But I really do believe that this is the most biblically eschatological event since the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I do not believe that there has been any human event over the course of the last 2,000 years that simultaneously has plunged the entirety of the human race in such a predicament and a dilemma as the one that we have found ourselves in in the last two months. Surely it qualifies what is being said in Matthew chapter 24 verses 6 through 8, which is nothing more than a threshold 
of going further in a chronological unveiling of end time events. And in that context, that is nothing more than actually a threshold to prepare the church and the human race before we go in any deeper into uh, the tribulation or the unfolding of biblical events is the word pestilence. 180 nations were in lockdown and all of them reported people dying as a result of this virus. The entirety of the known world for at least a period of time, all of us experienced economic um, problems and the world is still grappling with the height and the breadth and the depth of the impact of this upon the world economy. There still is no vaccine for this virus and uh, I was reading just two days ago that there is an antibody which is a huge deal, could be a game changer that was discovered in a laboratory in California uh, and I hope, it is my sincere hope that that is valid and that is true because that would uh, offer a huge hope to this world. But make no mistake about it, we are not waiting for the end times. We are in the end times. Hallelujah. I do believe that we will come through this virus. I do believe that we will uh, find a place of normalcy again. But I believe that it will, it will so uh, change the paradigm uh, in the invisible realm that although we may return to normalcy, there will be a new normal. And things will never be the same uh, in, same, in some sectors. It will change how we view the future. We will constantly be looking over our shoulder for the next problem. We will constantly be on guard for situations where um, we will be required by our government uh, to do a lockdown. And so buy your toilet paper now. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not trying to scare you, but I do have to be honest. And we are in this together, and we must, we must call it like we see it. But I do believe that God is giving us just a little speed bump, like going through a huge parking lot where children are at play. I believe that we're going through a speed bump to get us to understand that things are changing, that, 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 that we need to be spiritually prepared, that we need to be on guard, that we need to go with an understanding. It's not just the tribe of Issachar that should understand the times. I believe that a Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name believer should not just be trotting through life, being possession-oriented. I believe that we should understand, I am in the end time, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do something with my life. I'm going to do something with my influence before it's too late. In the book of Daniel, you may remember several so, do you guys realize how hard it is to preach to an empty building? Uh, I was thinking about just putting pictures of you guys in the pews. It is not easy to preach with excitement or anointing. But I want to tell you, you're here today and I feel the power of God already. The, ano the anointing is for people. The anointing is not for me. The anointing is for people. It's my God. The anointing is to break every yoke and set at liberty them that are bound. Hallelujah. We talked about part one in Daniel about uh, incredible times and unorthodox possibilities. Well, this is part two. And it's called survival in the end time. You have to understand that Daniel, like the other major prophets, required something early in his ministry that would change the, the, the tenure and, the, and the, the substance of his ministry. Isaiah needed Isaiah chapter number 6 where it says that I saw the Lord high and lifted up and forever changed his ministry. Jeremiah the weeping prophet needed an invitation down to the potter's house where God 
uh, asked him the rhetorical question, uh, can, I make this, can I make this vessel over again? Speaking of the nation of Israel, and it impacted his entire ministry, uh, the remainder of his ministry. And then Ezekiel, seeing this incredible um, mobile vehicle that God was riding on, that parked at the river Chebar, that had wheels within wheels, and had a throne on a platform of glass that, that moved through the universe and, and showed up here and there and, and everywhere. But Ezekiel saw this, and it changed his ministry. Daniel also needed some, some supernatural event to change his ministry, and it happened. And it happened in Babylon. And it happened when the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, got a dream. God is, already, God is doing all this for a reason. Because God is preparing Daniel that the day is going to come that you're going to get a dream. And then you're going to need an interpretation. So he's moving, he's posturing Daniel. Could it be that God is posturing a church like Cornerstone? There's multiplied churches all across the land. But God is posturing us so that we will be a supernatural people in the end time. I thank God for, for receiving the word of God. I thank God for this context. But God sees far more in you than he sees just sitting on a pew. God has a program for you. God has a purpose for you. God has a plan for you that is powerful and glorious in the end time. So, Daniel gets the interpretation of Nebuchadnezzar's dream. He supersedes the magicians and the astrologers and the sorcerers of Babylon because they could, never, they could not recall the dream and they couldn't give the interpretation of the dream. And Daniel did both under supernatural agency by God. And it was a game changer for Daniel. Everybody that is used of God in their appointment has to have a prophetical or a supernatural game changer. And Daniel's was understanding the dream of Nebuchadnezzar. And he not only understood the dream, but he got the interpretation thereof. And it was in this dream that Nebuchadnezzar saw a huge human figure. And this human figure had a head of gold and then silver and then brass and then legs, and then iron mixed with clay in the feet. It was, it, it, it tormented Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't understand it. Daniel got the understanding also that this is a hum, huge human figure that represents the time of the Gentiles with the nation of Israel, in which the nation of Israel lost their liberty and their freedom to be God's people. I want to tell you something that God never intended his people to go back into bondage when he brought them out of Egyptian bondage, which was blood on the doorposts, the waters of the Red Sea, and the Holy Ghost pillar of fire at night and cloud by day. Water, no, blood, water, and spirit, repentance, baptism, and the Holy Ghost. When God brings you out and you obey the gospel, God never sees you as being in bondage again. I don't care how bad you've blown it, get back up on your feet and say, if God be for me, my God. The devil will tell you to stay down. The devil will tell you to stay away. I rebuke that lying spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. You've been called out of darkness for such a time as this. Hallelujah. So. Daniel tells the dream and the interpretation to Nebuchadnezzar, and he is exalted to second in leadership in the entire kingdom. And because Nebuchadnezzar was lifted up by pride with this, with this interpretation, uh, because he saw himself as the head of gold, it was the interpretation that the head of gold yeah, represents Babylon. And then, and then you had the breastplate, which is silver, and then brass, and then down, it's with every consecutive element. It goes to a weaker element and a weaker centralized authority until it ended with uh, the Roman Empire. And it, and, it, and it was a sign that the nation of Israel will have another Gentile nation be over it until the second return. And so we are still in the times of the Gentiles. Why is that important? Because not only did that dream of Daniel represent 
those different consecutive nations that would be standing on the nation of Israel. But if you'll read verse number 1 of Daniel chapter number 7, he said, in the first year of Belshazzar, that is not in the present. He's going back to the series of dreams that he first received from God. He's going back 15 to 20 years to when he's recalling this dream. Not only did he see an image that represented consecutive world powers, but he saw another vision that was far more terrible that is described in Daniel chapter number 7. And it is where four different beasts are coming out of the sea. Winds, of course, are always talking about spiritual conflict. And then the seas are talking about the mass of humanity. And out of the mass of humanity, he sees these four beasts. And so one's like a lion and one's like a leopard and so on and so forth. And then there's this fourth that has ten crowns. And I think we need to understand. There are some biblical expositors that believe that these are the same four kingdoms that he saw in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But I don't know if I agree with that. Because there are, there are different idiosyncrasies with these four beasts that do not allow, align with the nations of, of, of Nebuchadnezzar's image. And, but it is noteworthy to recognize that the last kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar's dream had ten toes. And this last beast that came out of the water had ten horns. And Daniel saw this. He is being thrust into the supernatural by God. I want to tell you what, that God may thrust you and I into the supernatural. He doesn't have five years to raise you up. He doesn't have 10 years to convince you to go ahead and let go of, of, of possessions and let go of, of what the world says about you. He may need us to be on the spot like Daniel was, like Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego that look at Nebuchadnezzar and said, we are not careful to answer thee on this matter. When the music sounds, we are not bowing. When the music sounds, we are not bending. When we, when we hear the command, we are not going to worship. There's only but one God. He'll be with me in the fire. He'll be with me in jail. He'll be Hallelujah. You have to be willing to let God posture you where he needs you. God will be with you in a jail cell. My friend, Brother Tony Spell, took a picture of his ankle last week and sent it to me. It had a big old home monitoring deal on it. And I said, I'm not ashamed of your chain. It's exactly what was said at Benediction in one of the books in the Bible. The Apostle Paul was confined to house detention. And still in this day and age, with these creatures that come out of the sea, they, they greatly concerned because he didn't have the interpretation. He was given the dream and the interpretation for Nebuchadnezzar. But now God says, okay, since you came out, since you came out and you, and, you, and you operated with me and you trusted me on that, now I'm going to show you some stuff that's really going to blow your mind. And it did blow his mind. He was greatly troubled in mind. And he did not have the interpretation. And so he said in verse number 15 that I asked one of those that was standing by, there were angels that were there. He's talking about supernatural agency. He's not talking about flesh and blood. He was talking about supernatural agency in the angelic realm. Daniel was more in touch with the angels than any other of the prophets. And there was an angel that gave him the interpretation of this. In fact, we don't have time to do it because it's really not where I want to go, but I've got to lay a solid enough foundation so that you can go with me. But if we were to go to Revelation chapter number 13, you would see these four beasts. And then you would see the Antichrist that is employing a one-world financial system, a one-world worship system. This, this beast, this little horn that comes up with a mouth that speaks great things is nothing, nothing less than the Antichrist. Let's go to verse, uh, just so I can talk about this for a minute. Verse number 25. And he shall speak great 
words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and a time and the dividing time. That means three and a half years. Well, Pastor, I don't believe we're going to be here when the Antichrist is here. I wouldn't be too sure about that. Prepare, prepare like you're going to be. Oh, that's kind of weak out there in apostolic land out there. I know this may go against your favorite YouTube preacher that says we're not even going to suffer a scratch and we're not even going to, I'm going to tell you, we're going to get more than a nosebleed. But I'm going to tell you, we're not going to go out like some lame, backslid, half-hearted. We're going to go out of this with a blaze of glory. And God is not going to be ashamed to be our God. You may be seated. Go back to verse 25, please, Sister Lori. Look at this. And she'll wear out the saints of the Most High. There's some people that are wore out already. I'm telling you, God is doing us a favor by sending this pandemic. It's a speed bump that we are going, we're, we're, not, just, it's not, we're not just on the highway of holiness any longer. We may be on that highway, but we're going into some other. You have to understand some things about the program of God. For 2,000 years, the Holy Ghost was poured out on all flesh, and it was the requirement of the church of the living God to preach this gospel to every creature. But we are not going to stop Another time frame that is going to work in tandem with this. God said, I've got to move on this world so I can have revival and I can bring about my plan. We've been enjoying and being the beneficiaries of liberty and freedom for over 200 years. But I'm telling you, this pandemic is a speed bump and introducing us that God's got another time plan. That while this, let me tell you, if you've ever seen where a storm's going on, I was sitting on my back deck about three weeks ago, and I was just watching the clouds, and some clouds were going this way, and they were really booking. And then there were some gigantic clouds that were just barely moving, going the opposite direction. God's got things going, I'm telling you. It's, it's a day and an hour in which people are going to suffer from confusion. They're not going to have any direction. But you and I know our Redeemer liveth. Uh, you and I know where God's address is. My God. You and I know his name. Oh, let's call on the name of Jesus right now. Let's give him praise. Let's give him glory. Don't be swept away with the spirits that God is unleashing in this world. You're supposed to already be anchored. And the Antichrist will wear out the saints of the Most High. That word wear out means exactly what it says. It is an Aramaic word that means to afflict, to wear away, to harass constantly, to wear down, to wear out through constant affliction. And so I want to talk about survival in the end time. Pastor, tell me something good. I, I will. You know, I'm not going to lie to you. You know, all these false prophets that want to tell you, you know, that everything's just going to be good and grand and great and rosy. And You and I, listen, you and I are caught up in a conflict that is cosmic. Do you realize that? Do you realize that you and I are part of a cosmic struggle that started in heaven? And according to Revelation chapter number 12, it'll end in heaven. The devil wants to take every single human being to hell. But God is saying, no, 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 no. 
I got, I got, I got way more than a few down there that know who I am. They're not going to bow. They're not going to bend. They're not going to buckle. They're not going to change. They're not going to backslide. We're part of a cosmic struggle. The very first principle of surviving in the end times is that you have to take advantage of your God-given right to experience renewal. Everybody said renewal. renewal. Say it again. Renewal. Say it so the police can hear you. Renewal. Say it so that your friends in the apartment complex can hear you. That means you get the Holy Ghost again. If you're going to survive in the end time, you're going to have to love being renewed in the Holy Ghost. You're going to have to love getting it all over again. Come on, somebody. Well, Pastor, I got the Holy Ghost back in 65. Well, I, I, wonderful. But don't you think it's time to get refilled up? Gas, gas is only going to push that big vehicle only so long down the highway of holiness. I believe that we ought to get filled again and again and again and again and again. Come on, give him praise. You have got to learn to love renewing. It is not religious. It is not denominational. It's apostolic. It is spiritual survival. Clap your hands and give him praise. Renewing almost always comes through prayer. There are some of you that don't have a prayer life. You are going to come to the place as a human being where you are going to have to tell your flesh, I am not going to backslide. I'm not gonna, I am not going to be lost. I am not going to take the mark of the beast. I guess I'll just finally get down and learn how to pray. And when you do, God is going to wrap you in his arms. God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And you're going to say, my God, where have I been? My God, why? Why have I waited so long? Why have I waited so long to experience something so glorious? And something, come on, somebody, give him praise. Come on, somebody, give him glory. Come on, somebody. Prayer. Is for renewing. It's not for complaining. It's not for giving God your little list of all your complaints, belly aches. It's not to give God your list that says, I want a Cadillac. Honey, that Cadillac ain't going to do you no good with an Antichrist out there. Just be glad you got a bus ticket. We got a bus stop right out here. We'll take every bus rider in Spokane. Just let us spray you down with a fumigator and uh, put your we'll read your temperature and and uh, I'm getting ready to get out as soon as they take all this stuff out. I'm going to get I want to be on the front page of the newspaper saying I will pay every single person's bus pass that wants to go to Cornerstone. I don't care if you live downtown. I don't care if you live in Cheney. I don't care where you live. You need God. Hey, Pastor, I heard about your offer. You think we could get some gas money? Sure. What do you got? I got an F-450 with dual tanks. Click. Dude, if you can afford a dual 450, you ought to be picking up people that need to come to church. God ain't, God ain't going to give you a car so you can drive around with status. God's going to give you a car so you can fill it up with sinners. I just threw that one in there. Hallelujah. You have to be able to appreciate God's furnishment of spiritual renewal. Jude chapter 1, 
or Jude 1 and 20 says, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. It's time for this church to go to the next dimension and not just pray, but pray in the Holy Ghost. We don't need to pick it. We don't need to pick at the courthouse. We don't need to pick at abortion clinics. We don't need to pick it wherever the governor's at. We need to get on our knees and say, I don't wrestle against flesh and blood. I can do more damage on my knees. I can do more damage in prayer. I can do more damage in the name of Jesus. Praying in the Holy Ghost going to be a hallmark of the end time church. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. When? Whenever you want it. There's a lot of people that think, oh, you know, they look, oh, you know, well, you know, I was really, I felt, really felt God on Sunday. And, you know, they wait till their, their, their gauge gets all the way on E. And now they're fighting amongst themselves and things are coming out of their mouth that they don't really mean. Oh, I'm in the Holy Ghost, ladies and gentlemen. You could have avoided all those wounds. You could have avoided all that misery if instead of you allowing your carnality to go to that place, you would have just said, you know what? I'm going to get back where I belong, and that is renewed in the Holy Ghost. Isn't it amazing how things flow? You can be looking at problems, and you can just say, God's got this. God's got that. God's got this. God's got that. God's got this. Come on, somebody. God's got that. God's got this. God's got that. God's got this. God's got that. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. Because you have to understand when God poured out the Holy Ghost 2,000 years ago, he does not pull that spirit back just because we're entering into the end times. That spirit is still there. In fact, I don't know if you could make it where it's more available because I believe that it's just saturating the entire human race. But my Bible tells me in Romans chapter 6 that where sin does abound, grace superabounds. Grace is staying one step ahead of your sinfulness. Grace is staying one step ahead of our disobedience. Grace is staying one step ahead of our irresponsibility. Saying, come on, come on, get back up. Come on, get back up. The trump's about to sound. The trump is about to sound. We're about to get out of here. Renewing of the Holy Ghost. Not just praying so you can punch a time clock and say, I prayed for 10 minutes. But praying till you get a hold of the hem of his garment. Praying till you get lost in his spirit. And when you, come, when you finally come out of it, you go, man, I don't even know what the problem was. All I can tell you is it's a whole new world now. It's a, you've experienced redemptive bliss. Your mind has been renewed. Your eyes have been adjusted. Your spirit is overflowing. You're not even thinking the same way you were thinking when you went into that prayer. My God, this is in the Holy Ghost. Renewing in the Holy Ghost is going to be the most important factor of your surviving in the end time. I am not going to the world. I am not going back to drugs. I am not going to go. I don't care what they make out there. I'm not going to get a tattoo. I'm not going to get a bottle of booze. I'm not going to go back to dope. I'm going to learn to pray. Can you not see that the devil has made essential gambling, alcohol, dope, tattoos, thinking that a little pressure on the church is going to make somebody backslide. If it makes you backslide, you are weak in the day of struggle. But ladies and gentlemen, this is not for the weak. This is for the survival of the fittest. I am not going to backslide. There's nothing to go back to. That wasn't living. That wasn't life. That wasn't reality. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. 
Number two. The second biggest factor in you and I surviving in the end times is patience. Everybody say patience. The need for supernatural patience will be, will be required in these troublesome times. This is one of the virtues of the fruits of the Spirit. Did you know the patience, wherever the fruits of the Spirit are mentioned, all nine of them, there's nine fruits and nine gifts. And to those of you that operate in the gifts but have no fruits, something's not right. And it's wrong to have all fruits and no gifts. They were, they, there's, they're both nine. There's nine gifts and nine fruits so that when you get the character, God said, they're ready for that. You don't give your car keys to an eight-year-old and say, just take it around the block and I'll see you here in a couple minutes, okay? All right, Dad, where's, where's the brake pedal? How do I stop this thing? Ah, uh, you'll figure it out. 20 people later, a parking meter and a dog. If you're developing spiritual character, that's because God wants to make you the character to handle the giftedness. Well, you know, I believe in that character stuff, but I don't believe in, in them spiritual gifts. Well, then you're not, you're not apostolic. There's nine character traits and there's nine gifts. But everywhere the character traits are named, patience is always the very first one. Because in patience you possess your soul. I gotta have it now. I gotta have it now. I gotta, that's not, that's just not how you're not gonna pressure God. God, I gotta have it now. God, if you're not gonna do it now. God, if I don't get a wife, I'm gonna backslide. God, if I don't get a husband, I'm gonna I'm gonna get a, on a dating site. God, if you don't give me what I want, I'm out of here. God says, <clears throat> All right, see you later. When you get done, maybe you'll be willing to listen to me so that I can really give you some real blessing. Patience. When we start going through the end time, it might be two months before we can have church again. Say that one more time. One more time for the people way over there. If I didn't have another service, we could have a lot of fun. It's been a long time. Y'all are a great group to preach to. You're going to need some old-fashioned patience. Be another week before you get your stimulus check. All right, honey, do we still have that gun somewhere? There's a bank right down the road. You know, Pastor, if I won the lottery, I'd buy our next building. Forget it. Start praying. God's going to give us that building across the street the old-fashioned way. We're going to believe God. All right, well, if I win the lottery, I, I, I guess I'm not going to pay my tithe. Well, you're going to get what you want, but you're going to lose what you had. Esau. Patience. Patience. It's going to take more prayer to get patient. I've got this congregation right where I want you right now. Some of you are already squirming. Patience. When's this going to be over? Just hang on. It's been two months. I might be here for another hour. Is that all right? Just, just kidding. Patience. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 says this. My brethren, count it all joy. When you fall into diverse temptations. Woo! Why are you so happy? I'm being tempted. 
When's the last time you saw that? It's an attitude. It said, devil, you ain't going to get me. I've already made my mind up. My mind's made up. No turning back. Verse number two. I'm sorry, next verse, Sister Lori, back there. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. <laughs> I thought you said that this the Holy Ghost and this and all that was going to be great and grand and glorious. It is. How long are you going to walk around in diapers, bow-legged, waiting for God to change your diapers? I'll never forget, I was in the church, I don't know how long, it was a little while, and man, all of a sudden, God, showed, God turned off the joy juice. And I went to my pastor, I said, Pastor, I can't feel God, I don't know if God's there. He, kind of, he didn't laugh at me, but he kind of got a little smirk, and he said, God's still there. God wants to see what you're going to do. That's one of the very first learning experiences where we learn to trust God, is that when we don't feel it. There, I, when, if, if, if you become a person that is all feeling and no faith, you ain't going to last long. There are going to be some times that you're going to have to do some things that you don't feel like doing them, but they're the right thing to do. But this is where you learn it. You learn it while you're still in, in diapers. And to all the saints that are still in diapers, say praise the Lord. I love you anyway. I don't blame you for staying quiet on that one. Verse number four, please. But let patience have her perfect work. Now remember, this is, this is directly tied to temptation. Some of you, that the minute you're tempted, it's like your brain's already gone. You're, you, you, need to, you, need to, you need to you need to buy 10 copies of this and put one in the CD player, put one in the cassette player, put one in the 8-track if you still got one, put one on that duophonic tape deck with the back, the, your house speakers in your back seat and listen to this message every single day. Because the minute you start saying no to those impulses, you're going to have to go all through this again. You're going to have to learn that I, might, I may not feel God right now. I may not feel anything, but I ain't going to backslide. I'm not going to go to a porn site. I'm not going to the liquor store. You know what? There's a marijuana store right over here in Liberty Lake. I've seen that parking lot packed out. I've seen them parked over in the gravel dirt area, the auxiliary parking. And they're telling us we're non-essential. And the devil's saying... Wouldn't that Acapulco gold sound real good, Wally, right about now? Maybe some Columbia green or whatever you guys used to call it. Green bud or whatever. I don't care what they call it. Let me, let me tell you something. I've already tasted the Holy Ghost. I've already looked into the Word of God. I've already had the victory. I've already had the glory. I've already seen this thing. Come on, somebody, clap your hands and give God the praise. The one characteristic that's needed to become whole and perfect is patience. There's still people under the sound of my voice that are suffering from spiritual woundedness and various and sun-dry situations that you came to God with. Just be patient. God will get there. God will get there. But it's only through patience. And patience has to be qualified. It's not just, okay, I've got God, I'm marking off every day on a calendar. It's just saying, God, I'm going to go and do what I know I need to be doing, and I'm going to trust you and believe you. When it happens, it happens. Let's lift our hands and love him one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Survival in the end time. You're going to have to learn to get a hold of your flesh. And be patient. Patient with God. Patient with your husband. Patient with your wife. Patient with your children. Patient with your boss. 
pastor, my boss is a, is a dope-smoking, alcoholic, wife-beating, he's on his fifth wife. What do you expect him to do? He doesn't know God. Romans chapter 12 and verse 12 says to be patient in tribulation. Second Thessalonians 3 and 5 says, And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. Some of us need to readjust our epistemology and realize that every time God allows us to see the rising sun and the rising moon, it's another opportunity for self-improvement. Because once we cross that great void into eternity, there's no more second chances. There's no go back. Weeping and wailing, gnashing of teeth is not going to get any second chances. We are all here in the 21st century. We're all experiencing this together. There's not another age or a time that Rick Mayo would rather choose to live than right now. Because we're about to see some of the most exciting things that the church of the living God has ever seen. But we're giving an opportunity. God has given us an opportunity to become delivered from being self-sufficient. We're so self-sufficient that God is an afterthought instead of the first thought. And after, if God doesn't do it my way, I'm just going to go ahead and manipulate it in any way I can. And, and that's just deceit and deception. And if you're going to be saved, you need to be delivered of that. So you might as well just do it now. But that whole prayer that's prayed to the Laodicean church is a prayer to be delivered of self-sufficiency. I want to be, I have prayed this prayer. God, I want to be, I want to be gold tried in the fire. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you pray that? Because God, in seeing both sides of eternity and me being bound in the finite, I'm saying, God, I, I, want, I, want, I want to pay for now what I can enjoy later. This is the opposite of the world is they're willing to sacrifice tomorrow for instant blessings today. God's looking for a people that have fallen in love with him. This is the only predestination you're going to find in the Bible. No soul is predestined in the word of God. But the church is predestinated. God's dream before the worlds were even formed. He dreamed a dream. He said, the angels will never do. They've only seen my glory and my omnipotence and my omnipresence. They're disqualified for this. I want somebody that wants me for me. You have to make that choice right here and right now to experience the eternal benefits of that. And it's going to take a whole lot of patience. Pastor, I wasn't raised to be patient. That's okay. I'll help you. Just sit down. Lift your hands. Praise God. Sit back down. Go to the bathroom. Come back. We'll help you. That's what the church does. Well, I, I don't know if I'm ready to help a bunch of new converts, man. I just want to go to heaven and get out of here. No, we need to use you any way that God wants to use you. If you're still here, God wants to use you. Some people want to be spiritually reclusive. I'm telling you, the whole paradigm of the apostolic church is changing. When we come through this from here on out, it's not going to go back to, how'd you guys do at the timeshare this weekend? Oh, thank God for that. But the kingdom is becoming back to being number one. And I know you believe that. Let's clap our hands and give him praise. I'm almost done. Somebody praise him. Somebody give him glory. I'm almost done. Let me hurry on here. James 5 and 7 says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Revelation 14 and 12 said, here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. 
Isaiah 40 and 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Let's lift our hands and say, God, I'm here for the duration. I'm here to apply myself. I'm here to invest myself. Come on, let's pray. Number one is spiritual renewal. Number two, God's given patience. Number three, being able to withstand perseverance under pressure. See, what God is doing to you and I right now is he's giving us inward braces for outside pressure. When they... Um, when they test astronauts or people that do deep sea diving, they put them in pressure chambers. And there becomes a problem with that individual's in his body when the pressure on the outside is greater than the pressure on the inside. Which is why you need to be thankful for a steel hull that's three inches thick standing between you and 5,000 feet below the surface. But God's end time people are going to have inward braces for outside pressure. And I really believe that part of this is regulating our, gift, our giftedness and our reward in the end time. And God regulates all this. But whatever God allows in the end time and, and allows you and I to be on planet earth, there is going to come a day when God is going to rake back the covering. And the Bible said that we are going to shine as the stars. If you don't have the inward character, you won't be able to handle the illumination. Because what's happening with every measure of growth in our life is we are learning to bear up the eternal weight of glory. That's why the Bible said we go from faith to faith and glory to glory. Every trial, every chapter of growth, like the rings of a tree that once was a sapling and was vulnerable to birds and predators and weatherization and disease, you're now a mighty oak because you have inward strength for outward wind, erosion, insects. Now you're ready to be retrofitted with an eternal weight of glory because you said no to your flesh. You said no to the world. You said no to people that have absolutely no clue which way is up. But you stay focused, realizing that my eternal significance outweighs all of this. And you go from faith to faith and glory to glory. At the end of it all, God fits you with an eternal weight of glory that was equal to your development on planet Earth. Let's lift our hands. The paradigm is changing. I don't care if my name's in a magazine. I don't care if I preach conferences. I, I don't even care about that stuff. Never did. I want to stay home. Spokane, Washington is where my grave plot will be. And I, I'm investing myself with everything I've got. need to pray. Do you realize that the minute that our down payment went to the owner across the street, Brother Roz back there, did you realize that the minute that they got 500000 from us, 
the governor said, hold it, no more church. And the devil moved in. My hair is no more gray than it was two months ago. I don't have a secret bottle hid somewhere where I'm like, Yeah, I feel joy, man. <laughs> no, it's not artificial. I'm not cheating. I'm not playing a game. You go ahead and put that on us. God brought us into this, and God will bring us through this. God is in control. Somebody shout with a voice of triumph. Just remain standing. The Bible said that this spirit of the end time will wear out the saints of the Most High. A few years back, there was a buzzword even in the ministry. I never used this word. I never felt it. But I heard that was a buzzword among the ministry a few years ago called burnout. And I'm not making a lie to that. I'm not making a lie to that because not everybody, not everybody has is dealt the same cards, and it's God's God's doing. But there's just some people that just say, "I need a break. I need a break. I need a break. I need a break." I'll never forget one pastor. I was preaching a revival four years ago. <clears throat> I really hadn't even formally met this man. Good man. We're still friends to this day. But I got out of my truck, my beautiful wife, two small children, and the first thing he said to me was I've been suffering from burnout. And I realized, I realized that this revival may not totally be just about winning souls. It might be just giving this good man of God a break. Let me hold his hands up. How do people get wore out? Performance without power. Relationship without renewal. Maybe there's somebody under the sound of my voice. I want to tell you it's not a weakness to admit that I'm frail, I'm weak. One of the reasons why... One of the reasons why we are here today is because I just came to a place of realizing enough is enough. There are some people in this church that are weak, that are spiritually deteriorating. And I, as a pastor, am willing to risk being arrested. I'm not a pariah. I'm not trying to be a hero. I'm just saying that survival in the end time is going to require us to develop inward strength for outside pressure. Let's lift our hands and give Him praise. It's time to get back to renewing. It's time to get back to godly patience instead of the impulses of my carnality and the demands of my flesh. It's time to get back to spiritual patience. It's time to invest myself in what God wants me. You know what? This altar's open. Let's find, let's do some social distancing, but this altar's open. Come. Let's pray. Let's pray. Somebody here today. I've been sent here by the Holy Ghost to reach for somebody here today in the name of Jesus. I don't want to just survive. I want to come through this thing. I want to be they that come out of great tribulation. These are they that have washed their robes in the blood.
God is going to be your strength. God is going to be your help. God is going to be your hope. God is going to be in that living room with you. God is going to be in that bedroom with you. God is going to be on the job with you. God is going to be there with you. Come on, let's reach out. Let's reach out. Let's reach out. Come on, let's really pray. I might get a call tomorrow morning. It says, Pastor, shut it down. I would take advantage of this if I was you. If you're under the sound of my voice, God sent me to this house to preach that there's going to have to be characteristics that have got to be on the inside to endure and survive the end time. Let's sing. Jesus is stronger. The name of Jesus. 